Well, uh, I would like to, one, we've already acknowledged Annabelle. Annabelle, the Billy and Cordes Blakeney Award there at camp. It's basically an all-camper um, camp thing. I would like to, uh, she, she won that fair and square. She didn't lobby anybody for votes. Uh, just, we are, are we, we have a meeting at the end of camp and of uh, the counselors, and we all talk about the different kids. Mostly just make fun of them, but we also, we also have a time where we talk about um, who's going to get this particular award or that particular award, and it's really, really hard because we have a lot of good kids, uh, and a lot of kids are brought up. But I will tell you this, uh, when, we, when we brought up girls, we have two different awards that we vote on for each uh, gender. We have the, the all-camper award and the all-sports award, which is like showing all the sports... Um, only Mineral Springs girls were suggested. That's it. No one else. We have the... We won. We won. Um, Hope McCauley won the All Sports Award. And um, Braven Bell actually finished second in both votings um, for All Camper and um, All Sports by a narrow margin. Um, But she won All Sports last year, too. We are just very proud. Our guys also did really well. They didn't come home with um, with hardware, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, the, they are um, just devoted, good kids. Uh, Blake, uh, is Blake with us today? No, Blake's uh, Suricon's boy um, came, and I hadn't spent a lot of time with Blake, and he's a nut. He's fun. He's fun. Um, Ty and um, and um, Braden. And Blake, and then we had, we had, did we have one more boy go? No, no, well, Noah's my nephew, and he's from a different, um, he's from the land that shall not be named. Uh, D-Queen. So he, but we had, we had such a a good group of kids. Noah is my nephew. He won, he won Bible Bowl. Uh, We actually had a, a Bible Bowl test at the end of a hundred questions about all of Matthew. Um, the person who put the test together took it and missed ten, which is pretty good. Uh, and Noah and another boy from the Dallas area missed six. And we had to, we had to do a final, uh, like a, a tiebreaker question, and they looked at me and I said, what, does, what were Jesus' last words on the cross in Aramaic? It actually says in Matthew, in there at the end of Matthew, it actually says it, and we had them write it out in the English version of Aramaic, and that was the tiebreaker. One of the boys, not Noah, got it. Um, not really. I mean, he got Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabuchuhau, or something. He, he messed up that last part, which I think is like very unchristian of him. No, but we had a really, really good week. And one of the things that I'm very excited about about this congregation, one of the things that I love about this congregation, is that um, one of our elders, Todd Richards, has counseled at that camp and knows what it's like. Uh, I've been to churches before where they, they made you take like a vacation week to go to these church camps, even if you work there. Um, and they said, well, you're just taking the week off. Nope. It is, it's, I, I tell you, if, if you haven't counseled at a church camp, you need to do it once, 
just so you know what it's like um, and how draining it can be to like for the 17th time in an hour to have a kid come up to you and say, what are we doing next? Um, to say, well, next we're going to uh, go to the swimming hole, um, but it'll be in about 30 minutes. Go, so go play sports. To say that instead of, well, how about you go look at the schedule that's on your cabin and then a clock and see, and then come back and ask me again and see if I don't strangle you. Uh, to say the first one instead of the second one is exhausting. Uh, but we, I, I always come back, I've, I'm tired, but it's, I'm not tired and I feel great, I, just, I feel uplifted. Uh, and it's one of those things that you can't explain to somebody unless you've been there. It's, it, there, there are several, several experiences I've had. It's like seeing the ocean for the first time. You just can't explain it until you've been there. There's a band I saw recently um, called the Time Jumpers, and I've tried to explain it to a couple of people recently, and it's just impossible to explain. Just the best musicians ever all playing together. It, it, they'll say, okay, yeah, whatever. But just, you just have to go see it to experience it. This word on the screen is one of those words. Not helper, but the word paraclete. It's a word, in, it's a Greek word that unless, you, unless you're Greek and it's just one of those things, one of the things you have, when you have kids is they'll ask you what words mean, simple words, and you don't know how to explain to them what that word, you know what the word means, you use it in a sentence correctly, all the time, they'll say, what does witch mean? Not W-I-T-C-H, but just that which you must do. What does witch mean? Oh, it's like a, I don't know, it's a, it's witch. It's, you, I can't do it. I can't explain it. It's one of those words that you use, but you just don't know how to, how to explain it. It's so multifaceted that you just, it's hard to pin down. Paraclete's one of those words. That's why sometimes in some of your translations it's translated helper. Sometimes it's translated advocate. It can be translated comforter. It can be translated counselor. It can be translated defense attorney. It can be tra- There's so many different ways. This one Greek word, and in, in English we say paraclete. In uh, the Greek it's actually parakletos. Um, but this one, this one word can be translated in all these different ways. And one of the main functions that it had was it, it described someone who, who stood up for you when you were being accused. Like I said, defense attorney, really. So someone who stood by you while you were being accused to make sure that they spoke up for you. This could be a friend. Uh, who knew you and were, was with you at the time, and say, "Well, no, that didn't happen." This and this could be a lot of different things. It doesn't have to just be a lawyer, um, the way we understand defense attorneys. But it's someone who stands up for you, and that's that's an amazing feeling when it happens. A lot of times, the way we do uh, slander, which is when we when we kind of uh, interact in ways where, well, some, they, they're, they're this. They're, we'll talk about people. Oh, I don't know about them. They have this problem. To, to have somebody stand up for somebody. 
I've been in rooms and situations where someone would start talking about someone and someone right next to them would say, well, that's not fair to talk to about them like that. Do you realize how much courage that took? For them to just speak up and not, it is confront, but not confrontational. But non-confrontationally confronting someone. To say, no, that's not, I don't, that's not fair to compare their worst um, their worst mistake to your best behavior. But to have someone stand up for you. For someone to say, this person is better than what you're claiming. Um, this happened in the, those meetings. You know, it's it's a big deal um, for Annabelle and for Hope, for for people to for people to to say they are something that they claim to be. Um, we had this the the other director. I'm the co-director of this camp. Um, the other director is a guy named Dennis Jameson. Dennis Jameson is one of the best youth ministers on the planet. Dennis Dennis's uh, skill, his um, his spiritual gift is not one that's mentioned in any of the books of the Bible. His spiritual gift is to come up with the craziest games you can possibly imagine. We played a game of wiffle ball. Actually, we played three games of wiffle ball. We had four bases set up like you would set up home plates. We had three pitchers and three batters at the same time. And then the bases were kiddie pools. And just for extra measure, we filled the wiffle balls full of shaving cream before we pitched it. We had three games going at one time. One group was, was facing a home plate, and this group was facing this plate, and this group was facing this plate, and that group was batting there and there and there. And people were running around. And Hope fell down about 80,000 times during that game because she's the only girl taking it seriously. And that stood out. People said, well, she had fun. She, she didn't think, oh, I might get wiffle ball, whip, shaving cream in my hair. And they, <laughs> wiffle ball in my hair. That too, that hurts worse. But to have someone stand up and say, this person is, is something good. To have an advocate. To have someone who stands up for you always makes you feel good. In 1 John, which we have studied every passage in Scripture where this word shows up. It just shows up five times in all of the New Testament. Four times at the end of John, in John 14 through 16. And then once in 1 John. And we're going to look at that one today. But here he, he, he begins this whole study by saying this, this whole section. John says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' his son purifies us from all sin. 
If we claim we have not sinned, did I skip a verse? No, I didn't. If we claim we, uh, yeah, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's a place that we can fall into sometimes where we aren't... Typically, it's the place where we're not standing up for somebody else, when we're taking other people and we're pushing them down. And that place is a place where we do not recognize our own sin. Where we don't recognize our shortcomings. I would like to add a, a little bit of an advertisement here. Next, next week we're going to talk about sin. I start a sermon series on sin. And it's not going to be, oh, he's just going to, he's going to pick my sin and just blast me with it for, for, for 25 to 30 minutes. And then I'm going to feel worse and everyone's going to feel better and we're going to walk out of here. I think our, the way we think about sin, the way we talk about sin needs to be reimagined a bit. And we're going to try to do that starting next week. Um, I'm, not, I'm not going to start canceling out things and saying, well, here, these things we thought were sin aren't sin. Sin is sin. But we need to start thinking about sin a little, uh, maybe a little differently. And next week, maybe you can go on that journey with us, or at least begin the journey with us. I, I really think it'll be helpful. Um, and it, it, might, it could be life-changing. This particular perspective has changed my life. But he says, if you claim to be without sin, you're a liar. Now, none of us would say, although I've actually heard um, Paul's told me stories where people have come up, he preached, didn't you preach something like this, Paul? Someone came up to him and said, I don't sin anymore. Don't say we're all sinners. I don't sin anymore. Now, that's that's not just lying. That's lunatic. You're a lunatic if you think that. That's crazy talk. Not sinning, like claiming that I don't have sin. A lot of times we do that with our lives, with our attitudes towards sin. We say, well, I, I, don't, I don't really sin in, in bad ways. That's how we act. I sin, I, I sin in the acceptable ways. You can gossip and slander. You can overindulge. Now, what's funny is we actually take that one and we say, well, you, can o- you can't overindulge in alcohol, but Oreos. You know, whatever. And I was going through the, the line at camp and they had Oreos and they put four on my plate. And I said, you need to take those two off. Because I just need two. And they said, well, just eat two. And I said, if you put four on my plate, I will eat four. If you put 120 on my plate, I will eat 120. You, you need to get those off of there um, before I kill myself with Oreos. Um, but we, we, will, we have these sins that we put in categories and we'll say, well, this sin's sort of acceptable. Like, you can be um, immodest in church. Did you know that? 
Now, you, you can't be scantily clad in church. That's inex- unacceptable in, in most churches. But you can still be immodest. Like giant poofy hat getting in people's way. Maybe. No offense, Wendy. She's not wearing a giant poofy hat. You will next week. Just sit in the back. No, but the, this, anything, anything we wear that says, look at me, everyone, is immodest. Anything we do that says, look, we have sins and we, we are very comfortable with our sins. I once had a friend who was um, being some, a, 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 a different church. He's a church Christ preacher, but a different group was talking to him about coming and being their preacher. A non-church of Christ group. And he eventually said no, but he said, the reason he said no is he said, I know our problems and I'm used to our problems. Not like we're the best thing. He said, I'm just used to our, what we have, I'm used to my troubles. And we get used to our sins, and so our sins are no big deal. We can even start to laugh about them. We can talk negatively about people and say, bless their heart, and just eliminate any any guilt. But we, we lie about our sinful life by our sinful life. And, and we don't acknowledge that we live a certain way. We don't acknowledge that we are obsessed with making more money. We don't acknowledge that we are obsessed with getting our way. And, he, and this, this is an indictment of me and of you. This, this lesson, or this scripture here in John. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The basis of all Christianity, of all Christian thought, actually of all Christian interactions with other people, should be our belief that we too are sinners. And that we too deserve judgment. That we too deserve to be condemned. And he says, but if we confess our sins, it's not about getting rid of them, just let them be known. I sin, I am an impatient person because my, I believe deep down that my time is more valuable than other people's time. I am an arrogant person because deep down I believe the way I do things is actually the better way to do things. And I can even convince myself that the way I do things is actually the holier way to do things. He's not saying, get, he's not saying you got to get all that sin out, but get it out of your mouth. If you want to get it out of your life, you're going to have to get it out of your mouth first. And recognize we, we are sinners. I get this a lot from people. Um, they'll say, Benjamin, I like you. That's all I wanted to say. People like me is what I'm getting at. No, they'll say, I like you because I feel like you're not a preacher. Like you don't, I mean, I dress like one, sort of. But 
they say, well, you, you just feel like you're a normal human being. That's because I'm a normal human being. Why? Preachers for a long time have made the mistake of trying to lift themselves up and appear to be holier than they are. Um, I'm a pretty broken individual who needs Jesus just as much as everybody else does. And so the, 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 the confession of sin, the confession of brokenness can, can allow our relationships to actually work and, and be holy. And he says, if you just confess your sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't want people who are free from sin because he'd have no people. He wants people who recognize their sin and know that they need him. And look at what he says next. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him, we make Jesus out to be a liar. Not just we, we ourselves are lying, but if we say, well, I don't really need it all that much. I've said told this before, I had a woman come to me and tell, tell me, I, I don't know what to do with my teenage daughter. She, I just don't know how to connect with her. Because when I was her age, I didn't sin. Okay. Well, you're doing it now. Also, like whenever um, people, I, 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 had, I was, there's this kid that came forward. He was 12 years old. He wanted to be baptized. We baptized him. I had a lady come up to me and say, I don't know if he had enough sin in his life to be forget, like to need baptism. And I said, do you think we should have waited on him to do some more sinning? Like, should I just taken him out back and let him smoke a pack of cigarettes or something? <laughs> and then brought him in. Like, baptism's more than just wiping away our mistakes. It's about uniting us with Jesus. If he wants to be with Jesus, let's baptize him. Um, but but we, we, have, we have a tendency to like act like we don't need Jesus. That we don't need forgiveness. When you act like you don't have sin, you are acting like you don't need Jesus. When you act like you per you're perfect, you're saying, well, the cross wasn't all that for me. Is it possibly possible to be perfect? It might be. Jesus did it. But none of you have. I have not. Now, maybe some of you have. No one's pretty, no one's nailing it. But he did get animal crackers on my pants. I don't know if that's sin or not, but that's just, <laughs> man, you don't know this until you're a parent, but saliva, saliva mixed with, with animal cracker um, is mortar. You could build a house <laughs> with that stuff. Just lick it and stick it on there. The bricks stay for life. But... <laughs> We, none of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. And when we claim, not just with our mouths, but when we claim with our lives that we do, we're not just lying. We're making Jesus out to be a liar because he thought we needed something. And our confession of sin is not just, it is claiming we are weak. That's fine. 
It's not just claiming that we are weak, but it's claiming that Jesus is strong. That Jesus is capable of, of, of doing what he claimed he would do. And he goes on in, he goes on in uh, chapter 2 and says, My dear children, I write this to you. I write this all about the sinning and claiming that you don't have sin and making Jesus out to be a liar. I write all of this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody, if anybody does sin... So this is, this is for all of you. The, the last was for the past you. Here's for the future you. If you do sin, if anybody does sin, we have an advocate. We have a paraclete. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the truly perfect, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is what I talked about a little bit after the sermon last week, the addendum. You are going to mess up. You're going to sin. Now, our lives are going to be ones that strive to do the right things, to have the right attitudes, to let the Holy Spirit shape us and, and, and teach us and testify to us. But you are going to fall. How many of you have ever done this? Don't raise your hand. How many of you have ever done this? Heard a sermon or had a thought at church, were just inspired by a song, and thought, I am going to change that behavior. I am going to stop doing that thing. And here you are, months later, and you haven't changed, and you haven't stopped. What happens is you feel just worthless after that. You feel like you're not worth anything because I, I wanted to change and I didn't. I wanted to stop and I didn't. And the level, the level of shame that comes with that failure can be crippling. But I want you to know that when you are broken, sitting here in these chairs, broken as you are, standing on this stage, broken as I am, we have one who was perfect and he's not perfect in the way of he's looking down on everybody else who isn't perfect he's standing before God as we sin saying God it's hard it's difficult I've been there I know what it's like And you just can't know what it's like to be tempted until you've been tempted. Jesus not only is our sacrificial lamb, not only is, does Jesus wash us from our sins, not only does Jesus uh, conquer death for us and resurrect us, give us hope of new life, eternal life, 
But before God, Jesus pleads our case. Jesus loves us so much that he fights for us. He is our advocate. And I'll be, let's just be honest, we need one. So don't feel this shame. Don't wallow in your shame. Shame is only a thing that will, that will lead you back to sin. Shame never leads people out of sin. The conviction, the, the conviction that comes from knowing that even when I do sin, even though I am a sinner, I have an advocate. I have a helper who pleads my And loves me right where I am. That's an amazing thought to me. Man, I mess up on a regular basis. I, I, I just can't stop. Saying things I shouldn't and having attitudes I shouldn't. holding grudges and not forgiving and being judgmental. Not all out like you're going to hell judgmental, but I can be judgmental in like these little ways. Well, I wouldn't do that. Like that. I can do that sin real well. Can't believe they think that. I can do that sin real well. We have a God who loves us. We have a Messiah and a King who pleads our case. And we have, an, we have a helper who conquers our sin. We are sinners. Jesus loves us anyway. And God accepts us just as we are. Because our King and our Savior is pleading our case at this very moment. You are loved. You are valued. You are God's. If you want to enter into the relationship with that Savior, that King, with that Advocate, if you need somebody to plead your case, Jesus is the only answer. And deciding to live with Jesus, deciding to be baptized into the death, burial, and resurrection, deciding to confess that you are a sinner and you need, you need Jesus as your king. Deciding to commit yourself to, re yourself to repenting of your old ways, even while you're going to fail. Today's the day for that choice to become a disciple of Jesus. Please come forward while we stand and sing.
be seated. Good morning. Mountain Fort Christian Camp. It is an awesome place. And yes, I've been a counselor there. I've missed the last two years. And Benjamin, I feel um, left out when I'm not there. It's the most exhausting thing you'll ever do at 52, let me tell you. It's tough. I'll give you a few snapshots of memories from Mountain Fork. Um, when you get run down and worn out at my age, you, you slip in there and you take what I call a Spanish pause, which is about a 15-minute nap when they're arts and crafts or something. And our kids being as bright as they are, they figured that out. So they'd come in and visit. That's when the Jesus stuff really starts because they would come in one at a time and um, tell you neat stuff. I baptized some of these kids over here. Um, I've seen them grow up, fixing to go to college. The one story was a kid from Oklahoma. He came in there and he said, I need to talk to you about something that involves my family. And I said, well, I know your family, even though you're from Oklahoma, and if it's something of that nature, you might not need to tell me. And I'll never forget, I was on the bottom bunk and he was on the top and he leaned his head over and he said, we are family. He had that concept, Tracy. What I'm telling you is this, send your kids to camp. That's where they grow, that's where they get the concepts, that's where they get their sea legs, if you will, and their birth in Christ. To quote a movie, Caddyshack, there was a guy there in Caddyshack, if you've seen that old movie, and there's a line, he says, uh, I met the Dalai Lama one time, and he said he told me I would have total consciousness on my deathbed, so I've got that going for me. Clueless. With the conversations I've had this week, just being a horse dentist, and turning some of those conversations to Jesus, some of us are clueless. And we shouldn't be. I'm going to read something to you. Galatians chapter 3, 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For you all, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have closed yourself with Christ. Therefore, is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and you are heirs according to the promise. There's no cowboys or saints, LSU or Arkansas. Here's what he promises you. He does not promise you a cushy life, although some of us will be blessed to have that. He does not promise you health, although some of us will have that. What he has promised us is this, that he will raise us from the dead, that you don't have to fear death. So I got that going with me, and so do you. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Dear Father, I thank you so much for these people here that, that seek your face, Father. We, we come to you because we, even though we understand the big picture, we think 
I pray that we really understand the big picture and, and are not clueless that your promise is that you will raise us from the dead and that we